Potter Hello and this is this kind of smooth jazz. Welcome to the PW. Talking about the DW. S2. Got the TW. That's Torchwood. Got your SGA and your your C and your K9. David Tennant. Yeah. Billy Piper. Yeah. Anyway. Hello. As you were. Um I'm D Daddy with the smooth vibes on this Monday afternoon. Who's ski bopping with me today? Michelle Lechant is alone. I can't I can't do it the voice. <laughs> You know what? Props to that little girl because I can't do it. I cannot do it. The Chloe Webber. Chloe Webber is alone. We want Chloe Webber. I can't do it. Oh yeah. So it's fear her. Um, fear me. Series two, episode eleven. Uh, as I sway in this chair, um, broadcast twenty fourth of June two thousand six. Uh. Yeah, so a couple of little factines, little fact, factoids, little, little FAQs about FACTS, skate up. Um, written, by Matthew Gra- written by Matthew Graham, most known as the creator of Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes. Um, intended as a low budget replacement for uh, the infamous Stephen Fry script that never was. Do we even know what that script is about? Uh, I think it was set in the 1920s, and that's all, I think that's all we know about it. Um, beyond, there's probably some leaked breakdown or something. No. I'm not sure if you asked him, he'd say what it was about. Um, and, uh, of course, and this is something that I feel gets left out of a lot of retrospective chatter about this. Uh, aimed at kids. Um Intentionally aimed at a younger audience, Matthew Graham was told by RTD, PWDW, to write it with his seven-year-old son in mind, um, which makes sense. Directed by Eurus Lynn. Um, quick, quick little gist of, of what happens. Uh, Dr. Rose encounter an alien flower who can turn people into drawings, and then they use the Olympic torch to send it back into space to be with its family. That is the gist of it. Yeah, um, I, 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 the thing about this one now is that it's obviously, it's got the reputation of being really bad. It was voted the second worst Doctor Who story of all time. Yes. Uh, the only one that people said is worse than this one is the Twin Dilemma. Which I've not seen the Twin Dilemma, but I doubt that. Uh, Twin Dilemma is pretty bad. This is not bad. This is good. Um, thus begins my 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 treaties on this. This is a good episode. You know, I, I, like I went into this being like, oh, this is going to be an absolute slog. It's going to be an absolute horror show to watch. You know, I said, I said, oh, it'll be. You know, I'll probably come in. I'll, I'll rip the piss, and then I'll, I'll, I'll get my coat. But I was watching, and I was like, this is pretty good. And I think once you kind of look at 
what it's trying to do with the mindset of, okay, this is written with a younger audience in mind. This was written, you know, to, to hit to this point and that point. Um, I mean, I want to know what you think of it because I feel like we might disagree or, you know, we never know. Um, but I don't know. I have a lot of feelings about this one. I'd like to hear, hear what you what you thought before I, I launch into my, okay. my, my defense. So how do, okay. How do I describe this? When you, when we were talking, okay, we're going to record fear her. And I was like, Oh boy, fear her. Here we go. You know, like fear her and love and monsters. It's sort of known as like this coward hotspot for Dr. Who of like, just like the absolute worst run of all time. Two episodes. Nobody likes. Yada, yada, yada. I made all the classic jokes. And then you watched it first, and you said, it's good, actually. And I was like, he's fucking with me. And you said, oh, no, the thing that's good is that uh, eventually you, I, I found out that like it's written for four kids. And I said, that does not convince me, David. I'm not convinced. So I did something I'd never done before, which is instead of just watching the episode normally, I watch it with the commentary track which in this case features Matthew Graham and Julie Gardner. And I got to admit, they won me over, you know, they won me over. Uh, there was a solid moment where I was like, damn, this episode is actually good. You know, it's scary. It's got all the, it hits all the right marks. It's simple and it's effective. But David, there was a point where I went, oh no, it went back to sucking. And I want you to get, I think you could probably guess what is the moment where I think this episode I think like that's the reason why everyone remembers this as a bad episode because the first 25 to 30 minutes of this are solid, are grade A, maybe like grade B plus Doctor Who, really good. But then the moment when the Doctor is brought into the drawing, not even that, the moment when Chloe Webber just goes crazy and starts drawing the stadium and the world, that's the moment where it loses me. Because, and I feel like, Matthew Graham kind of admits this because in the commentary track, he's like, the reason why we had, for example, the the monster come out of the closet and all that is because we needed just one last scary moment at the end, you know? And that whole sequence from the moment that she starts drawing the stadium towards to the moment where uh, the monster goes away, that whole sequence was contrived to me. And the reason why is because Chloe Webber never really comes across as a character, you know, they tr they make it, they give a lot of time developing the Isolas that they don't really give a lot of time developing Chloe Weber. And so when Chloe starts drawing the stadium and all that, it just feels like the Isolas is going, I don't care that you seem uh, I'm going to be evil now. Urgh, I'm going to do all the evil things. And it's just like it, it got boring to me. It's like it's the, it's like the monster just went crazy for no reason, you know? For the reason that we're 15 minutes in the end of the episode, we need to be exciting. And that, to me, was very disappointing. What was, up until then, a very good episode? Okay, now I hear what you're saying. Um, to me, one of the big factors of this episode that I factor in is that the yeah, Isolus is a child. And to me, what it reads as, like, that especially reads as, like, it doesn't know how to deal with you know, anything. It's saying, like, okay, you're going to take Chloe Webber away from me, okay, then I'll take every single bit of the, of the, the world away from you, because that's the only terms I know are take taking away 
taking away, taking away, taking away. So it kind of, that, that that does work for me. What doesn't work for me um, is very similar to your problem, which is that I think everything from the stadium onwards is very silly and not in a kind of good way. Um, I do like the running commentary by the BBC commentator. It's oh, not chi- you too, Bob. Yeah, not you too, Bob. Is <laughs> that was great. <laughs> that was great. Bob, can, can we join you um, in the box? Bob, not you too, Bob. The, um, it's a funny episode. Yeah. It's a funny. Yeah, it is funny. The um, yeah, the the problem I have with the Isola stuff. Um, I mean, like as I said, I think it's just like it's a child acting out. Uh, trying it doesn't have any idea the consequence of what's doing it's just trying to it's just doing what what it thinks it has to do the problem i have is that it it doesn't really seem like there's a set idea of what it can do because you have it creating the scribble monster and the dad and stuff to the same means where it draws kids into the photo so it kind of seems like it's kind of being like okay we needed to do this so it can do this as well but we aren't going to really delve into it can do that. Um, I mean, as well as that, like, I think the absolute the absolute worst part of this episode for me is the last three minutes, where it suddenly becomes like, okay, we have a finale next week. You know, we have to set up that we're going to have this big moment. That's so out of nowhere. Absolutely. Yeah, especially like there's no like it's not the exact line, but. One of my least favorite lines in fiction in general is there's a storm coming or I can feel a storm coming or all the stuff. It just, it never sounds anything but embarrassing. And just it just it's a very strange moment to throw into this, especially when it's just come after um, the doctor eating a cake with edible ball bearings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just very strange. The other thing as well is that and it's it's kind of not here. It's neither here nor there. But what's the deal with? I don't know if you know Tennant's costume in this. His like his shirt is like practically ripped open underneath the the trench coat. It looks very strange. I couldn't. I was trying to figure out like if it was just like a weird variation or if something happened to the costume. Um, but yeah, I I I think this is unfairly maligned. I think a lot of it comes like I was looking up. Uh, briefly, like what the like what the main problems people brought forward were for it were, and it was all like really weird stuff. Like there's no monster in it, which there there quite clearly is. Um, there's it was like it's too childish, which is like it's meant to be childish, and it's about a child, so obviously it's going to be childish. I just I I think it's very unfairly criticised, especially when. Uh, Matthew Graham's second episode, I, um, which is a two-parter, is what I feel to be the worst one of the two he's written for the show. Um, we'll get to that in seven years' time at this rate. It's the 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 flesh two-parter in series six. Oh no! Oh no! Oh Matthew! Yeah. Oh no! Uh, he, he, oh, here's what did I say? I feel like I just had a brain fart real quick. I'm charitable to the reading you provided. The idea of that 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 this is like a child acting out, and I'm and I agree with it. 
It makes sense. But here is the thing. It just feels like there's one scene missing to make that connection. To me, like the moment where they're like, okay, we're going to take all the pans and weigh. And then Rose is like, tells the, the mom, don't leave her side. And then the mom does, and they never explain why. I feel like if you just had one little scene to have explain why the mom stopped looking at, the, at Chloe, and you could have that moment in that scene where the alien is like, he's going to take it all away from me. I don't want to be alone again, blah, blah, blah. But because they didn't have that scene, it just felt like the show made a jump from we have this very like quietly terrifying story about the damage that not talking about trauma does to us and the damage of loneliness and how that affects someone and this terror hiding in the most, shall we say, like calm and idyllic places. And it suddenly just goes into, oh, no, she's going to draw the world. We got to race it against time. You know, it, it, it's like the show shifted gears really hard. And from what I've noticed from the commentary, it does seem like that. It does seem like like when they're when the scribble monster shows up, they kind of go like we needed a monster. We needed a creature to kind of draw, drive up the action a little bit, a little bit, you know. And to me, it's like it just it just goes across as like there's really good stuff in this, but they're so busy there's so many moments where they have to like put in action stuff for no reason that it's like that it just kind of ruins it. I mean, as well, it gets introduced by one of the strangest uh, minor characters they ever done, which is the old woman who's outside the house is being like, it takes them at night time. They're not safe. They're in the garden. That's what it likes. It likes it when they're playing. Practically clairvoyant. Um, yeah, yeah, but I do think I, I like. I think in a weird way, kind of both, uh, not quite visually, but in a kind of visual sense in some aspects, um, and thematically, and kind of in terms of how it plays out, it's very kind of of a piece with an idiot's lantern. Mm. Um, especially in like the way both villains kind of take away characters. Um, Kind of, they both kind of feel clumsy as well in their approach. That's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, uh, very strange as well. Watching something that at that time was in the future and is now yeah. a period piece. Um, very strange. That episode's going to be how old is it next year? It'll be like 16 years old next year. Yeah. Uh, Depicting events that are ten years old, um, but yeah, can't help that. It's a silly episode that I think is good. Um, it's probably going to be high up in my ranking for a series. But yeah, if there's anything else you want to do, we can do a game. Wait, I just want to say one last thing about Fear Her. I I feel like if anyone at any point complain about the little kids acting, don't do that because. That poor kid had to literally carry the entire episode on her back. Not only did you have to play a little kid, you had to play a possessed little kid alien. Don't make fun of Clo of um of her, her name is um Absola Akbaje. Don't make fun of her. She worked her ass off. So and she's <laughs> my chair just fell. Uh, and she's good. I think she's good. I think she's um I think she does a good job. Um, I agree. Don't make fun of kids. Um, but yeah. You can do a game at my chair. I have to adjust my chair. 
Um, so this week it's another round of, uh, I don't even know what it's called, fact or fake. Uh, did I make this up or was this going to be made into an unmade Doctor Who story serial? PWDW. Skip a poop. Okay. So the episode is called The Android Man. David mm-hmm. Bowie plays himself as the seventh Doctor and Ace investigate a plan to replace the singer with an auton. Scrapped because Bowie demanded too much money to be in the episode. True or false? False. It is false. I will get you one day. Um, he was going to be in... Uh, he, they wanted him for a Fifth Doctor story, though, at one point. Oh, but he was he was touring. Such a shame David Bowie never appeared on Doctor Who. That's but, yeah. true. Um, if you like Fear, you can listen to Heavy Metal, which is about Scooby-Doo, hosted by Ethan, which is also a friendly mushroom thing. Um, if they like... Uh, f- a fear, her metal alchemist, brother, fear, her hood. There are some fear moments in Full Metal Alchemist. What can they? What can, what can people find out? Where can people find out more about that? Yes, yes, of course. There's Full Metal Analyst, which is a podcast covering each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. You can find out more about that by, again, going to friendlymush.com or following us on Twitter at twitter.com slash fmanalysts. Um, what about X-Files? I like X-Files. I like more about There's the X-Files. a podcast for that, too, The Condensed Truth, The Essential X-Files Podcast. It's not every episode. It's just The Essential. And coming soon, something, probably. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, next time. Listen to me, Den Watts. I don't care if you have come back from the grave. Get out of my path. <laughs>